Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. How many people are ready to get into the Word of God today? Amen. Well, I'm, I'm ready to preach it. We're going to have some fun today, as you can see behind me. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about, well, let me just introduce my topic with a question. How many people in the room would say, by a show of hands, you are into uh, fashion, like, you, like you're into it? You're into it. Okay. Yeah, I can see everyone who's got it raised. You look good today. You look good today. All right. Put your hands down. Or raise your hand if you could care less about fashion. Okay, my people. Those are my people right there. I know it might not seem that way, because on Sundays I seem pretty well-dressed, but I uh, just hate to burst the bubble. I have no idea how to dress. My wife pulls out my clothes for me, and I'm not ashamed to say that, because if anything, I'm just, it makes me feel proud to have an awesome wife who knows how to dress. And, and so she pulls out my clothes for me, and I wear them. And now, just so you know, she doesn't do it every day, okay? I, I am a man, a grown man. And, but she does do it on Sundays because she wants me to look my best. Now, this became a problem when we first started dating because when we first started dating, it was just obvious that um, we were not meant to be together because, I mean, from the outside. You know, on the inside, we knew God had a plan. But when we would go out to eat at restaurants and, and the waiter would ask questions and I would always introduce her as my girlfriend, there would always be a look like... Really? Did you mean friend who is a girl? <laughs> or did you mean girlfriend? I'm like, this is my girlfriend. Go, 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 go away. Go away. You know, it just, it didn't, because Liz, if you don't know this about my wife, she actually was very passionate about fashion. Outside of ministry, she wanted to kind of maybe even do it as a career. She knows how to do it very well. She's kind of a stylist on the side. And um, she's just so good at it. And she's so, and, but you know, I'm not a dummy either. I would, I, would, I would get with her, we would go out, and, and I would see, just walking with her, like, it's, there's something off here. You know, like, I don't feel good enough for all this right here. And, and, uh, but, you know, over time, she's discipled me. And over time, she's trained me. And over time, you know, we go out, and I've kind of I've picked up my game a little bit. And it's because of the things that she's taught me. She's taught me to wear clothes that fit. Amen. She told me to wear clothes that match. Amen. You know, I learned words like avant-garde and drop crotch and other things like that. And, and, and she's, she's taught me. And I bring that up because I think it's a great metaphor for kind of our relationship with Jesus. When we first get into a relationship with Jesus, or when we first pick up this thing called Christianity, it's hard to not feel like there's a mismatch. When we look at Jesus and how he lived his life in the Bible and how he dressed and the way he lived, and then we look at ourselves, we can't help but feel like, I don't know if this is supposed to work. <laughs> I don't know if, if we're supposed to be together because I don't look like he looks. I don't talk how he talks. I don't walk how he walks. But I want to encourage you, Jesus can do for you what Liz has done for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just saying, if you just hang out with him long enough, if you just spend enough time with him, if you pick up his interests and his passions and learn the things that he wants to teach you, you can end up looking more like him at the end of your life than you did at the beginning of your life. Colossians 3, 3 through 4 says it this way, your old life is dead and your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. 
And when Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too. The real you, the glorious you. If, if, if I lost you in that passage, I would, I would ask you to remind yourself of a sermon I preached about a month ago called, There's Someone Else Inside Me. And, and what Jesus is telling you here is that, listen, there's two yous inside of you. There's the old you that is dying, and then there's the new you that Jesus is turning you into. And I just want you to know, as much as the devil wants you to believe that the old you is the real you, the real you is the new you. Yeah, that's good. That's good. The real you is the new you, and I'm, I'm shaping you into that new you. And here's what that means, verses 5 through 8. And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Now, he's going to go through a list right here, and some of us are going to feel called out, but... Just know that this is Jesus trying to help you. I'm talking about sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. Making sure it's all gone for good. Come on, he's coming for your address this morning. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. You're done with that old way of life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes. You've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your life, every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator. I like this part with his label on it. Come on, what you wearing? Gucci? Nah, JC. That's what I'm wearing. I got some, some JC on. You like it? It's custom. It's custom. Verses 12 through 14. So chosen by God for this new life of love, get dressed. Somebody say that. Get dressed in the wardrobe God picked out for you. See, this is why I don't feel bad that Liz picks out my clothes on Sunday, to be clear. Put on. Someone say put on. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic. God is into basics. It's your, if you know fashion, you know what that means. Your basics. God is in the base. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. I want to introduce the title of my message. But before I do, I want you to look at your outfit right now. Go ahead. Analyze yourself. Come on. How well did you prepare for today? Do the shoes match the shirt? Come on. Do you have, are, they, are you wrinkled this morning? Did you come to church wrinkled? Just look at it. And then I want you to look at me and I want you to say all together the title of my message. Put it on the screen. I need to change. I need to change. I need to change. Amen. I wonder uh, how many people in their life have something that they would like to change. Raise your hand. Something in your life that you would like to change. All right. So you will participate with me today. Amen. Maybe there is something external that you'd like to change. Something like your weight or your debt or your habits. Maybe it's something internal in your life that you would like to change like an insecurity or a negativity or a tendency for anxiety, whatever it is in your life that you would like to change, and I hope this engages you and catches your interest, I want to help you today make that change. But the way I'm going to help you to make that change is by first establishing a foundation for change. And change is like a train that runs on two rails. So I'm going to give you these two rails for change, and then I'm going to tell you how to change. But first, we got to lay a foundation, a truth. And that is, here's the first truth. I'm glad that everybody here has something in their life that they want to change. But here's the first truth, and it pains me to say it, but wanting to change is not enough. Wanting to, if you want to change, that's cool. I'm excited. You're in the right place. But you also need to hear that wanting to change is not enough. 
why I have learned this in my life. There is a difference between having the desire to change and making the decision that you have to change. One is based on preference, but the other is based on pain. Uh, uh, the best way to show this to you is to show you these sneakers right here. These are Jordan 1s in sore blue. And these are in style right now. I know they look old and they look jacked up, but that's actually part that's in style. I didn't know that. Liz was like, no, sometimes they'll actually patina the white to make them look old. So, so Liz, got her dad got them at Goodwill for like $5. Shop at Goodwill, okay? They're not a sponsor of this podcast, but if you want to be, I'll let you, boy. And so... <laughs> Jordan ones, and, and she said, you should wear these because these are in and they look good on you. So I was like, okay, but everybody knows that Goodwill, you know, you don't get to choose the size. And so, so we bought these. I, I put them on. Monday morning came to go to work and I put these shoes on and, and she said, how do they fit? I said, uh, they were a half a size too small. Now that's the worst because if it was a half a size too big, you could rock it. If it was your size, that'd be perfect. But when sneakers are a half a size too small, you have to make a decision. <laughs> Do these look so good that I'm willing to endure the pain that I will feel by wearing these shoes? And I'll put them on in the morning and I'm going to be honest, I feel good. I'm like, I'm going to endure. I'm going to endure. So I put on my shoes a half a size too small, walk to my car, you know. I got to church on Monday morning, and I love my staff. My staff is very encouraging. So when I walked through the door with Jordan 1s, I just expected, wow, Pastor JJ, where'd you get those J's? Is that what the J and JJ stands for? J's, you know? Like, I was expecting that. And guess the kind of response I got to wearing these brand new J's, at least to me, to the office on Monday? Nothing. So, so nobody said anything. And then, and then the whole day, I'm in pain. And so I went home, and I, I took these things off, and I threw them away so fast. <laughs> I said, Liz, I don't know what you paid for them, but give them away. I don't care. Because here's why I decided. If, if people had said that it looked good on me, if I had gotten some feedback, maybe I would have rocked it. But because I didn't get now one compliment, and I had to endure all that anyway, here's what I've understood. I, the, I didn't get any pleasure out of them, just pain. So that's when I threw it away. And that's when I discovered the formula. Go ahead and put it on the screen. It's so important. You will not change until the pain of it outweighs the pleasure of it. A lot of people want to change because they want to. But you will not change. This is the first rail, the first truth. You will not change until the pain of it outweighs the pleasure of it. I had a bad habit of biting my nails, and I, my, my teeth started to get real sore. I didn't know why I went to the dentist. As he looked at me, he said, oh, you got a stress fracture in your right tooth. I said, how did I get a stress fracture? She said, do you bite your nails? I said, nope. <laughs> Ever since then, I've stopped biting my nails. I've used nail clippers on my hands for the first time in my life. I'm 35. For the first time in my life, because my whole life, I thought you just bit them. That's how you got them down. And so I had to stop doing it. Listen, until it starts to hurt you or other people, you won't change. Your temper, for example, it feels good to lose your temper, let's be honest, to release some of that steam. I hate to get so serious so early, but it isn't until your kid is taking a shower and you find the bruise on their back that you realize, maybe I got a problem. You know, It isn't until your fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh boyfriend that you think, maybe I ought to change my taste in men. Because the pain of the people I'm choosing is outweighing the pleasure of the people I'm choosing. That's good, that's good. Maybe not date people with the middle name Lucifer. Maybe not do that, you know, <laughs> from, here, from here on out. Maybe I'm going to switch it up a little bit. 
and look at that. Your health. It isn't until the pain of your health outweighs the pleasure that you even consider change. I had a friend who I known when I lived in Texas to do ministry. He was very overweight, very overweight. He would tell you that he was overweight. I don't mean to, you know, he was very heavy and he would make fun of himself and his way. He would say, the reason why I like this because I like food. So I'm not depressed. I just, I like food. And I saw him many years later at another event. To be honest, I didn't even recognize him. He was fit. He was muscular. I said, bro, what happened? I said, did you stop liking food? He said, no, I still like food. He said, what happened is I went to the doctor and he said that I would not make it to the age of 30. He said, I did not want to change. I had to change. I had to change. I needed to change. Most people don't change until they have to. And now this helps you because now you understand the reason why you have not been able to change yet is because you still think you can live the way you are. And until you get to the place in your life where you go, I cannot live this way. That is the first impetus for change. I remember because I lived that. I remember I was able to really manage my pornography addiction. I was real good at deleting the browser history. Come on, somebody, you know. Everybody's like, I don't think I say amen there. <laughs> but you know you are on the inside. <laughs> really good at deleting my Netflix history. Really good at deleting my Hulu history until I wasn't one day. Liz found it. And she was crying in tears when I had to explain to her that it was something I've wrestled with for years. And, and then I started to cry because I was upset that I hurt her. And now her pain and my pain is all come together. And, and now I'm hurtful. And I, and I think look back on that moment. I go, you know what? It had to happen. If I did not go through that moment of pain, I don't think I would have changed because I, I thought I could live with it. I thought I could manage it. But when it became too painful, that was when I had to change. But at the same time, when I think about all the opportunities God gave me to change, all the moments from that moment until this moment, and I didn't take those opportunities, I realized it had to happen, but it also didn't have to happen. Somebody came to church for just this next thing I'm about to tell you, so get your pens ready. Write this down. This somebody came just for this. Change before you have to. Somebody came to church just for that. Change before you have to, before you lose your money, before she leaves you, before you get a disease that has no cure. Change before you have to. And so this is the first foundation for change. I need to change. And I want you to say that sentence with me. And I want you to emphasize the word need on three, one, two, three. I need to change. Now that's the first rail. The second rail for change is the same sentence, but with a different emphasis. So we're going to say, I need to change, but we're not going to say, I need to change. We're going to say, I need to change on three. Everybody say it. One, two, three. I need to change. Cause the other thing that's holding you back from change is you think that everyone else has to. And you think the situation has to, and you think your boss has to, and you think the culture has to, and, and you think she has to, and he has to, and it's keeping you from experiencing change because in all honesty, you're the one that has to. This is what happened when, when Liz and I, um, we, had a rest, we had a reservation at a restaurant. And, and when I show up most anywhere, I just want you to know, this is what I wear. My family know, right? This is me right here. Liz makes fun of me. She says, this is my uniform. I just grew up in New York, y'all. So it's a white tee. 
blue jeans, and some uptowns. That's me. All day, every day, to your wedding, white tea. I'm just playing. <laughs> now you know I don't do weddings anymore because they got mad at me. I was just white tea, blue jeans, and uptown. That's just who I am. It's, just, it's my comfort clothes. And so we got reservations at a restaurant, and, and I, I, I came out, and you know, I was wearing my uniform, and Liz came out in this because it was a nice restaurant. So she wears a dress that's real nice. She looks at me like this. What do you think she asked? Go ahead, ladies. You say it. Might as well say it now, church. Is that what you're wearing? Is, is that what you're wearing? Now, I will tell you what I said, but I will also tell you what I wanted to say. Now, I've been married long enough to tell you. I'm going to tell you what I said right now. What I said was, no. It's not what I'm wearing. You just caught me coming out of work. I have my outfits picked out in the closet. I'm... I'll be right back. I, that's what I said. But what I wanted to say was, uh, you change. <laughs> yes, it is what I'm wearing. And how dare you try to change me? You know this is who I am. You knew who I was when you married me. I'm pretty sure it was the first time you saw me. I was in a white t-shirt, blue jeans, and white sneakers. So, so why would you try and change me if this is the me that you know who I am? And, and even though it's inappropriate for the occasion, I was excusing my inappropriateness with the fact that this is who I am. I wonder how much of our inappropriate behavior, of our inappropriate mindsets, of our inappropriate words and actions, we excuse with the excuse, but this is just who I am. But I'm just being myself. Listen, if you show up to a restaurant and everyone else is in a suit and tie and you're in a white t-shirt, jeans, and sneakers, you're the problem. You don't look at everybody else seated at the restaurant and go, why is everybody so uppity? Why is everybody so bougie? No, man. You're wrong. You're wrong. Don't excuse it with this is just who you are. Well, that's just my sense of humor. They shouldn't be so sensitive. No. You're offensive. Yeah, that's, wow. that's, that's true. You're offensive and you need to work on your sense of humor. Yeah. Well, I'm just sarcastic. I'm just sarcastic. They should take it. They should, they should know that that's just who I am. I'm sarcastic. No, you're dishonoring. Yeah. Wow. You're dishonoring and you shouldn't be dishonorable. Well, that's just my Enneagram number. <laughs> that's just my Enneagram. No, that's not just your Enneagram. That's just, you're annoying. That's just it. You're annoying. <laughs> That's what it is. I get it. You're introverted, but can you just tell us what you want to eat? I'm hungry. Just speak up. I get it. You're extroverted, but can you say something else other than about yourself? Can you, just, can you talk about me for a little bit? If you're going to talk, I mean, can we mix it up a little bit? It's not just this, and it's not just that. What I love about Colossians is that Colossians was written to a very varied audience. It's a small island. It's one of the smallest islands uh, that Paul ever visited. Uh, actually, Paul never even got a chance to visit it. And, but in that small island, it was in the middle of big islands. And so it was a place people would travel to a lot and then stay. So there was a lot of different backgrounds of people. And Paul kept telling people they needed to change. They needed to be like Jesus. And every time they would, he would tell them they needed to be like Jesus, they would tell them, well, I didn't grow up that way. That's what they would tell them. Well, I have a different background. Well, I come from a different culture. You know what Jesus, what Paul says in Colossians 3.11? Look at this. Put it on the screen. All the old fashions are now obsolete. 
Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and unfree, Republican or Democrat, black or white, vax or anti-vax, mask or no mask, coming from the west side or coming from the east side, born in the south, born in the north. They mean nothing. From now, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone's defined by Christ. I don't have this on the screen, but this needs to be your next tattoo. Stop using who you are as an excuse to stay who you are. That's just who I am. No, but that's not who you have to be. You can change. People can change. You can evolve. You can mature. You can grow. Stop using who you are as an excuse to stay who you are. Well, I'm just Puerto Rican. I'm loud. Not at the funeral. It's inappropriate, bro. <laughs> like, you can't use that anymore. Well, my family raised me a certain way. Well, I just have the genetic tendency. Well, it's just in my cult. No, no more. Now we are all defined by Jesus. He didn't ask you what your DNA was. He didn't ask you what your preferences were. He said, how did I live my life in the Bible? Define yourself by the way I lived my life. Be like me. So to summarize the two rails of change... I'll put this on the screen. Listen, nothing will change until you need it to and accept that you're the one who needs to. You got to change, change in your situation, change in your life, change in your career, change in your mindset, change in your finances, change in your health. They must run on those two rails. You have to need it, not just want it. And you have to realize that you're the one that needs to do it. No one else. You are the one that needs to do it. So if You have both of those things and you're ready to change your habits, mindsets, attitudes, and directions. I can help you. But until you get there, whatever I say next is irrelevant. But if you're on those rails with me, then we're going to go on this journey. We're going to tell you how to change. And here's the first thing you have to do. Only two things. You have to get rid of the old clothes. Get rid of the old clothes. Colossians 3.9. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes. You've stripped off and not put in the attic where you could go access it when you needed to, put in the fire. Matthew 9, 16 is another way of saying it. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And I know many of us here today, we don't get that analogy or that metaphor because holes in clothes is stylish now. (laughs) So we're like, what's the big deal? Just leave the hole. It'll probably look good. Back in the day, it wasn't stylish. And back in the day, the new cloth, whenever you would wash it and you'd have to wash your clothes often, the new cloth would shrink. And then whatever you sewed it to, it would rip it. It would rip it and even make a bigger hole. It's like these pants right here that I got. I got these pants and I like these pants. These pants have served me well. Uh, you would not see anything wrong with these pants except right over here. Just a little. Hello. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> there's a little patch, right? A little hole. And then you can tell there's a little black patch right here. Now, I've had these pants for like three years. You've probably seen them. I've preached to them occasionally. Now, I like these pants, but I have been, I was going to say arguing, but you know, discussing passionately with my wife for a while now. <laughs> Babe, I think it's time to retire these pants because yeah. this hole did not start this big. And it's actually all the way down here. I don't want to rip it more because she told me right now. She said, whatever you preach on Sunday, just let, make sure you let them know you're going to wear those pants again. She said, 
because these are good pants. We can repatch these pants. But I keep telling her, babe, the hole keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. She's like, no. And she's attached to these pants, even though they got a hole, and even though they're not hers. She's attached to them for two reasons. One, because she likes them. And two, because I don't have many expensive things in my closet, but this is one of them. Sometimes it's hard to throw away the things you've invested in. Because you spent so much time with it, you're connected to it, you like it, you might even love it, but it don't work no more. God told me to tell it to you like this. Stop trying to repair what he is asking you to replace. Because that boyfriend you got, hello, (laughs) that girlfriend you got, I know you've invested years into that relationship, but could it be possible the hole is too big to patch for you? Could it be possible? Be careful patching things that God is asking you to put in the fire. You cannot patch, hear me, you cannot patch a new faith with old friends. You can't make that patch. Either your, either your friends will rip at your faith or your faith will rip at your friends. Either the friendships around you will cause you to give up on Jesus because the friends that you're around do not support your faith, or your faith will be such an anenema, such a, 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 a bad smell to your friends. Your friends will say, well, if you don't drink like you used to drink, then I don't want to hang anymore. Are you hearing me? Either one will tear the other, or one will tear the other. But when two things don't belong together, they rip. You cannot patch your new identity in Christ to your old social media patterns. You can't. I I know Christ is supposed to make you feel confident, but if you take that new confidence in Christ and you attach it to your old social media patterns, your confidence is going to be consumed by comparison. It's going to tear at it. Or either the comparison will rip at your faith, or are you ready? Your identity in Christ will cause you to become judgmental of your friends. So it'll rip at them. Social media abuse either ends in comparison or judgment. And that's all we do on social media now, isn't it? We either compare ourselves or judge others. Because that's not how God created us to be. You can't patch, this is a good one, you cannot patch the peace of God to a 24-hour news cycle. There's too much insanity in the world. Either you're hearing what's going on in the Word and what's going on in God, or you're hearing all what's going on in the world, one will tear at the other, one will rip at the other. You cannot patch kingdom culture to pop culture. Can't do it. I, I, when you get saved, listen, there are some movies, some music that you can listen to it if you want, but if you keep listening to it and keep in, 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 in ingesting it and keep taking it, it's going to rip at the threads of your faith slowly. Slowly, it's going to rip at the threads of your faith, or your faith will try and fit into the culture and become something the faith was never intended to become. One or the other, they will rip. And so this is the question you have to ask yourself. What clothes no longer fit? Wow. That's good. Take a second. Ask yourself that. What used to fit me in an old life that no longer fits me in this new life? Let me put it in a more practical. What conversations can you no longer sit in? Yeah, come on. Let me make it even more practical. What beautician can you no longer go to? Because every time you sit in her chair, there's gossip, 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 and gossip. And that gossip is eating at the very threads of your faith. What barber chair can you no longer sit in? Because the level of profanity is so hard and so high, you literally walk out discouraged and depressed every time you get a haircut. You look good on the outside, but inside you feel dirty. 
What app do you need to delete? What app do you need to delete? Because every time you get on that app, it rips at the threads of your faith. What has got to go in order to put on? Here's the next thing. Once you get rid of the old clothes, what you do then is put on the new clothes. Put on the new clothes. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14 says, chosen by God for this new life of love, get dressed. Someone say, get dressed. And the wardrobe God picked out for you. Put on. Someone say, put on. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense, and regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Here's what I want to emphasize, and I hope you've noticed that the author emphasized it. Get dressed, put on, put on. He says, put on three times. He says, get dressed once. In other words, your change is not automatic. Your change is, you got to put it on. I did a little test with some of our dream teamers this morning. Many of them did not recognize this TV show, but I grew up and it was an old TV show when I grew up. But raise your hand if you remember the show, The Jetsons, The Jetsons. Okay. Thank you for not making me feel old. We got a lot of young dream teamers here today. I told them, I said, raise your hand if you've never seen an episode of this show. Almost everybody's hand went up. So we need older people to serve on teams. Okay. Get to next steps and get on the team. And, and so, so I'm going to show you a clip because whenever I think of the Jetsons, I think of this clip. So go ahead and put it on. If you've never seen this before, this show was called the Jetsons. Watch this. Where are my shoes? Right in front of you, dear, where they're supposed to be. Well, I just want to be sure. <laughs> Yesterday, I walked out of here with my shoes on my ears. <laughs> And that's how he wanted to work with God. I get saved. Do it, Lord. Change me. Okay, okay, get rid of that. Get rid of that. Okay, get rid of that. Okay, all right, I like it. Okay, get rid of that. And I just want to let you know, it doesn't work like that with God. I know you've heard that God changes people. I want to say, look at the camera and say, yes, that's true, but... God changes your heart. You have to change your habits. That's why when you get saved and you make a mistake, like yelling at your kids and you feel bad because God changed your heart, but you still have to change your habits. Can I put it another way? He picks out the clothes, but you got to put them on. When, when, when Liz picked out this outfit for me, she wasn't just doing me a favor. She was teaching me. She said, listen, you got to put this on because you're, you're, you're a subtle guy. And so you got the pattern on the bottom, but if you're going to put a pattern on the bottom, you got to put a basic on top. Pattern, basic. <laughs> you can't put pattern, pattern. That's not you. So you got to go pattern, basic, and then you got to have the white drawing all this. You got the white in the shoes, the white in the, and the white in the shirt. And she's teaching me, but I'm still the one who's got to try it on. I still got to put it on. As you become a Christian longer and longer, that's the part that gets easy. Understanding what the right thing is. Understanding what works and what doesn't work. That part gets easy. 
But it does not matter how long you become a Christian. This is why I need my veteran Christians, the one who has been here for a Christian for 20, 30 years to shout me down when I say this. It does not matter how long you've been a Christian. You will never, ever, 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 ever wake up with those clothes on. Help me out if you've been a Christian for some time. Right? I know the way God wants me to dress. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, you never wake up dressed. He pulls it out. So what do I mean? You, you don't wake up compassionate. You wake up selfish. You got to take off selfishness and you got to put on what God picked out for you in the morning. I'm going to put on compassion. You don't wake up patient. You wake up in a rush thinking of your to-do list and everything you got to knock out. You got to take off hurry and you got to put on patience. God picks it out. How does God, how does God pick out the clothes? Every Sunday morning, he's picking it out. Yes. This is what you're hearing right now. You're hearing how to dress. You see, like Liz is teaching me how to dress, which is good because I didn't know how to dress before her. I'm teaching you. God is teaching you how to live because we didn't know how to live before God. That's so good. Come on. He's teaching us what works with what and what doesn't work and what's a mismatch and what matches. But all the lessons in the world don't matter if we don't have the energy to put it on. You got to put it on. So in small group, you're learning how to dress. On Sunday mornings, you're learning how to dress. But now you got to do the work of putting it on. And I'm going to teach you how to put it on. I'm going to teach you how to do it. And I'm going to do it by just sharing with you my life. Because every morning I have to put on two things. I got to put on a lot of things, but I'll share two with you so you can understand how this works. Every morning I have to put on discipline and I have to put on joy. Every morning. Now, this isn't a sermon on discipline and joy, but I'm going to use the two as an example so that you know how to do it when you get home tomorrow. Every morning, I got to put on discipline, which would surprise probably a lot of my staff members because they would look at me and go, you're probably the most disciplined person that I know. You go to the gym five days a week. You're very strict on your macros. I know you have your prayer time. There's date night. There's family day. You seem pretty disciplined already, but I just need you to know, staff. I need you to know, church. I didn't wake up that way. I wake up, the most of us wake up lazy, tired, exhausted. So the first thing I have to do when I wake up is I have to take off laziness. I have to take off the thought, well, you know, you worked so hard yesterday, you should take a day off today. I should take a day off on my day off. That's what the day off is for. But today is not a day off. Today is a work day, so I'm going to work. So I take off that. And here's what I do. This is the putting on part. I sit down. I sit down. I'm sorry, camera. I hope you got this. And I, and I start to think, all right, put on discipline. And I start to think, okay, I start to think about the cost of being undisciplined. I think about the thousand plus people that are going to show up on Sunday waiting to hear a word from God. And I start to think, if, if I don't prepare and if I don't pray and if I don't get up early and if I don't get out of this bed, people are going to walk and they're going to leave or come to church with hope and they're going to leave the same way they came. Can't let that happen. I think about hell. I think about how hell is a reality I'm, and, I'm, and I'm thinking about it and I'm putting it on. And I can't let that happen. I think about the brevity of life, how tomorrow is not guaranteed and today is all that I have. And I think if today is the last day of my life, how would I like to spend that day? I think I'd like to spend it intentionally. I'd like to spend it giving my all. If I'm going to go out, I want to go out this day being the best day of my life. And so I'm going to work. And then I think about the reward of being disciplined. I think about the reward of getting up and going to the gym and getting my body nice in shape. And then because when your body's nice and you know my wife, well, that's an inappropriate thought, but I'll just keep going. I think about, I think about my kids and I want them when they wake up to walk down the stairs and see daddy praying. 
Because the reward of watching a father pray every morning and to create a culture in their life. And so the other day I had my grand, my, my father-in-law staying over the house and my boys know. So when they came down, he was all loud. And then my boys came down and said, grandpa, daddy's praying. The cool thing about that is that they didn't even see me praying. They just knew that that's what I did in the morning. So it's a reward. And then I think of you again. I think of, man, if I can put in the time, if I can give God the focus of being disciplined, then I know God's going to do something special in your lives when you show up on Sunday. If I can do my part, God will do his part. And you say, well, that's a lot of thinking. Yeah, that's what the Bible says in Romans. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You got to put it on in the morning. You don't wake up that way, people. doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. Here's the other thing, joy. I got to put on joy every single morning. And I'm not speaking for you. I don't know what your clinical reason for being depressed is. You might have one. You might need to seek medicine. You might need to see a prescription. Definitely see a therapist. They can help you decide whether you need medicine or not. I, I see a therapist. I don't need medicine. I've talked to my own situation. Just for me, just for me, I am often depressed when I'm not dressed. Put it on the screen because I, I just feel like there's a spirit of depression. And, and you think it's something biological, and it might be, go get it checked out, but could it just be you're depressed because you're not dressed? Because you woke up and you expected to be happy when you woke up. You expected to be joyful when you go up. You know what I do? I grab my coffee. I can't be happy without coffee. So I'm just telling you right now. I got my coffee. I mean, I could if I needed to, but I don't need to, so I won't. I grab my cup of coffee. I put my three teaspoons of sugar because I'm disciplined. And I put my two ounces of milk. Yes, I measure it because I'm disciplined. And I, and I take it out to the patio and I sit on the patio. And Liz knows this is my routine every morning. And I sit on the patio and every morning I have, I have to take off what I have to do that day because that's the first thing that depresses me, all the work I got to do. So I, so I just take that off. Then I take off my worry because I got a, lot, a ton of that going on. Then I take off my insecurity because I got bunches and oodles and doodles of that insecurity going on. Don't know how in the world I'm passing a church this size. Take that off. Are you ready? I just take off me. I just take off me completely. And once I've taken off me completely, I put on God. What do, I, what do you mean, Pastor JJ? I start to, I have a routine. Don't do what I do unless it works for you. But here's how it works for me. I, 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 I start to think about seven, the seven names of God. So the first one is Jehovah Sidkenu. That means the Lord is righteous. So I sit down and I start to put on the Lord is righteous. What does that mean? He's perfect. What does that mean? If he's perfect and he lives in me, then that means that through him, I'm. So that might not mean a lot to you, but that means a lot to me because that means that before I've even started my day, no matter what I feel, I've already passed the test because Christ has already passed the test. So I'm already waking up like a winner because Jesus won. So I'm putting on the, his, that right now. Wow. Then I put on uh, Je Jehovah Mikadesh. That means God, my sanctifier. Again, this might not mean anything to you. I'm just telling you my process. I'm putting it on. Mac Mikadesh means sanctifier, which means he's changing me. So if there's anything in my life I feel insecure about or weak in, I start to meditate on the fact that even though I feel weak in that, today he's changing me already. So I'm like, wow, he's already working on me. And then this one gets me. Then I, and this is the one we all know in church. The next one I go over is Jehovah Jireh. And as I'm sitting in my patio, I think, I'm, I, I have a patio. I'm drinking coffee that is mine, in a coffee maker that is mine, in a house that is mine. I think about my children. Oh, 
Think about how blessed I am to have two boys who are healthy and love me and love God and love Journey Church and love each other most of the time. Think about Liz, how great of a gift that was, how he provided her for me. And I think about you again. You are, I think about you a lot. You might catch on. I, I think about how God has allowed each of us to become a part of this amazing community that's changing, literally changing the world, definitely changing Central Florida. I just think I'm so blessed. I'm so, and guess what I'm doing? I'm getting dressed. I'm putting it on. And by the end, by the time my coffee is done, I came in one way and I leave the patio another way. I was depressed in the morning, but now I'm dressed a little late in the morning. I put it on. You got to put it on. And you got to put it on every day. Are you wearing what you wore yesterday? I hope not. So what makes you think, if yesterday's clothes aren't good enough for today, what makes you think that yesterday's joy is? Or yesterday's patience? Or yesterday's holiness? Every morning you wake up, you got to put it away. Listen, I wear white tees. But you know what the problem with wearing white tees is? They get dirty. The reason why you can't wear yesterday's joys is because today's problems wear on yesterday's joys. Today's drama weighs on yesterday's joys. Today's failures weigh on yesterday's patience. Today's sins weigh on yesterday's forgiveness. And so, you know what I had to do? <laughs> you know what I had to do? I had to buy like AYTs. And you would say, well, how does that work in life? Easy. The Bible says that his mercies are new. So when life gets hard and it ruins my life on Monday, I just throw that down and I put on Tuesday. And when the joy of Tuesday runs out and that gets hard, I just throw down Tuesday. And then I wake up Wednesday and I put on Wednesday's joy and I'm going to rock Wednesday's joy to church. I'm going to rock Wednesday's joy to work. I'm going to rock Wednesday's joy to home. I'm going to put it on you every single day because His mercies are new every morning. His blessings are new every morning. His goodness is new every morning. His love is new every morning. His forgiveness is new every morning. His holiness is new every morning. So put it on, church. Put it on. It's new. You can be new today. Put it on. Put it on. Put it on. Put it on. Stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing. You got to put on Christ. So if there's anybody here today who has not put on Christ, I'm going to do two prayers. I'm going to pray for those who are depressed and those who are empty and all the, but I want to pray first for those who have not put on Christ. If you have not put on Christ, I'm going to invite you. It's free. I'm giving out free white tees today. Not really, but you get the metaphor. I'm giving out purity today. I'm giving out a new life today. All you got to do, all you got to do is put it on. And you know how you put on a shirt, right? Hands up. Hands up. So, so on the count of three, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus and you want to put him on, and there'll be an opportunity for all of us career Christians in a second, but every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to put on Jesus on the count of three, I'm going to invite you to hands up. Hands up. Put him on today. Put on new life today. If that's you on the count of three, raise your hands. All over this room, you need Jesus in your life. One, two, hands up right now. Put him on. 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 Come on. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Put him on. 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 Come on, this is your opportunity. Lift up your hands and put them on. Put them on. Put them on. Put them on. 
Amen. If you raise your hands, and even if you didn't, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Father God, I take off the old life and I put on the new life today. I leave away the, I leave behind the old life. I put it in the fire and I put you on Jesus. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Clothe me in your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, give it up for all those who lift up. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.